there's 100 million renters in the United States, and almost all of them are somewhere in their journey to home ownership. And once that kind of clicked, there aren't many industries that have that much information and kind of that much alignment with life stages going from renter to home buyer, single to married, et cetera. It's really exciting. But what we found is that there are not really many tools unless you're mortgage ready today. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 324 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. Today, going to the heartland of the country, St. Louis, Missouri, and we're going to chat with Jeff Dentner. Jeff is the CEO of Gravy. There are over 100 million renters in this country, and what Gravy does is guides them down that path to home ownership. It's very interesting. We're going to have a lot of fun with this conversation. So enough of this stuff. Let's get it going. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's very excited to have you on. I, I get a lot of requests from podcast bookers, and generally they're from motivational speakers or uh, real estate investors who somewhere in their life had a, they were poor. But I love it when I find uh, the people that are starting up companies, doing things a little bit different. We're going to talk a lot about Gravy, your company, but I always like to start in the same place. And that's, um, you grew up in the Midwest. I mean, it doesn't get more Midwest than St. Louis, right? That's right. Spot, spot in the middle of the Midwest. Yeah. And, and uh, so you still live there, right? Your company's there. Tell me, tell me why it's so special for you. Why? Uh, why St. Louis? Sure. Yeah. So I, uh, born and raised in St. Louis, uh, had a brief stint in Orlando, Florida with my fiance at the time, but wife now for about two years, but ended up moving back and, um, and still here, uh, gravy is very remote friendly, but kind of our flag in the sand is here. We've got a handful of our, our team is in St. Louis and it's, it's always drawn me back for sure. And, and I think, Probably two reasons that I'm still here. One, it's it's family. I've got my immediate family and my wife's immediate family. They both live within 10 minutes of our of our house. Um, so that was a plus and a big part of why we moved back from Orlando before we had a toddler. Now that we have a child, it's free babysitting plus family time. So uh, that's an easy one. And uh, two is the tech scene in St. Louis. Um, it's It's been growing more and more the past decade or so. Lots of great people, great minds, thinking differently, engineers, et cetera, that um, I just, I love the, the environment here. I, I hear that a lot from a lot of different places around the country. I don't know if it's uh, just the time we're in, you know, and, and, and with, with tech being so powerful, but these little, little areas that before were not considered, you know, Silicon Valley, you've got them all popping up all over the country, right? Yeah, I think it's a great, great point. And uh, to your comment, yeah, I think it started on the the coasts uh, and slowly but surely the density came in and sure may not have the density uh, of East or West Coast in St. Louis um, or Kansas City. But the good news is, is that even if it's smaller, I think the the, the overall concept of thinking differently, getting folks that, that either want to build software or reimagine different things, the density is there and the appetite to, to take risks and start businesses is there. And uh, it's a cool combination, I think, of founders, but also or people that make really good early team members at startups uh, is it's it's all here. I love it. 
my, my listeners know I have this weird thing with sports. It's uh, <laughs> you can see it all around me and the, as, as they can't see us, but you can see where I'm sitting recording. Um, can I assume Cardinals fan or are you like some other people I know from St. Louis who got like, uh, um, but they got bushwhacked into being a Cubs fan somehow? This is a great one. So I've, I've got two answers for this. Um, the first is I'm the stereotypical from St. Louis diehard Cardinals fan for life. So definitely not against the grain. Uh, that said, growing up, I'd be lying if I uh, if I said it wasn't part of growing up that by default, if you were a Cardinals fan, you were not a Cubs fan. So there's truth to that. And my, my mom's family, so my extended family, they're in Springfield, Illinois. So they're in the Illinois state, closer to the center, and that's kind of a mixed bag. Some Cardinals fans, some Cub fans. So we've got some cool, uh, some cool bickering that happens uh, from when I was growing up. But at the end of the day, Cardinals fan for life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, Giants, but man, Cardinals, Cubs is right <laughs> up there with them. I'm sure it's been um, a lot more championships for the Cardinals than the Cubs in the last hundred years. <laughs> so you always got that, right? Yeah, it's hundred uh, percent. What's cool though is even if it's Early in the season, mid-season, every series between the Cardinals and Cubs feels like postseason, and that, that's always fun. It's yeah. just, it's great, great baseball. So, uh, I don't know how old you are, but are, are, is uh, have you forgiven the Rams? <laughs> so the Rams. So short answer is yes. I grew up 100% going to some Rams games. I, I never got into uh, football as much as being in a baseball town. Cardinals was yeah. was it. Big Blues fan. Uh, love hockey. So with the Rams, yeah, I've got no heartburn. My, if you ask the same question to my dad, I think he'd have a, a better answer because yeah. he's got a, a little bit more of uh, more thoughts around it. But yeah, I just I love competitive sports in general. Not knowing the the outcome of an event and just the suspense that goes with it. I love any sports uh, event that goes to the last quarter, last period, last minute. That's what I love about it. But so yeah. so yes, I've forgiven the Rams. I still watch football. Chiefs fan today. Um, not rooting for the Rams anymore, but there you that's go. <laughs> all, all I've got. Uh, you, you mentioned the Blues. So I, I live in St. Petersburg. I'm right across the bay from Tampa. Uh, big awesome. game tonight, game four. If you had to pick a team before this started, we, did you want to see the Lightning win another or were you like rooting for the Avalanche to get one in the last 20 years? You know? This is tough. So the the Avalanche eliminated us, right? So there's kind of the, the conference yeah. debate versus uh, – rooting for, you know, Patty Maroon from, uh, is on, on Tampa and he's yep. a, a St. Louis boy. I have lots of friends who went to high school with him, I believe. So, uh, I'm Tampa Bay here for sure. I do think that Colorado, they're, they're tough to beat right now. Uh, they played, they just been playing so well. Uh, it could go either way, but Tampa has my, my vote for the, the series. Some work like to it. do. I think it's but, all about Vasilevsky. If he can, you know, have a game like he had, on Monday night, things will get better and I'll get out of this because uh, a couple of people just turned off their podcasts who don't care about hockey. All right. So, <laughs> so, so Jeff, let's talk about you growing up. I'm going to assume you're pretty techie. I, I'm just going to know that's the case, that you were playing with computers. You were all about that. You're 15 years old. You're you know, sophomore in high school. What were you thinking about doing? Yeah, you're, you are. You're correct. <laughs> uh, I was a techie nerd growing up. My dad loved computers. I had the the old school HTML books lying around the house of just learning, uh, learning generally how to code, was taking apart computers, etc. cetera. Uh, that said, I ended up going the, I was creative at the end of the day, less technical, more creative. So I liked computers. I ended up going the designer route and not the engineer route. I understand engineering, but I'm a designer at heart. But when I was 15, actually, I was dead set on being a rock star at the time. So I was wow. playing music. That was the other creative outlet. 
was playing music in high school bands. After high school, I played music for the next five or six years, touring the country for the better half of the year, uh, all United States, Canada, et cetera, um, which was a, just a huge part of just me jumping into the world because being in an unsigned band is, is it's hard, right? It's almost like starting a startup. So yeah. 15-year-old Jeff wanted to be a rock star. As you can tell, it didn't pan out. Otherwise, we'd be talking about my my greatest hits. Um, but I've I've kind of shifted to uh, to the tech world, and I'll, I'll take it. So now you opened a door. Uh, the instrument you played? I played guitar and sang. Lead or rhythm? Uh, rhythm, guitar, lead, singer. Really? And the, if, if you were to compare yourself to a band that even an old guy like me would, would know, who would you compare yourself to? What was the genre you were in? We were kind of pop punkish. So think Blink-182 is probably the closest one because I go. grew up a, yeah. a pop yeah. punk kid. And, um, and yeah, played guitar, wrote a lot of the songs. I was kind of the, the manager at the end of the day to where it was all business for me. I wish I would have had more fun. It was all business of just trying to get the product out the door. Kind of had my business hat on before I knew it. Uh, but it was a great, great chapter of my life. Made, made a lot of lifelong friends and, and wow. great experience. So you, were, you, were, you were the guy herding the cats sometimes because it has to be the, how it's – in rock and roll, it's got to be that way. I was a dad. Yes. <laughs> That's great. All right. So let's, let's move on. You, you, cool. now we, now we know where this entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit comes from. Right. Um, and you've done a lot of different things and it seems like as, as I look back and seeing your, your history, that it's a lot of prop tech and FinTech stuff, right? Let's why that, why did you go that route? This is a great topic. I'm, I honestly don't know when I fell into both, uh, prop tech, financial tech verticals. I think there's some, if you look at from an industry macro perspective, those two industries have really experienced so much change and evolution in the past decade around embracing technology. Mm-hmm. A lot of um, very old school best practices, status quo around how finance, uh, the finance industry worked with banking, et cetera. And same with, with real estate, as you know, no matter what vertical you're looking at or sub-vertical within real estate, whether it's commercial, residential, home buying, investor, everything's been touched. Every part of the flow has had technology touch it and kind of pull it apart and try to reimagine it. So I think that's what attracted me to it at the core. And I think at the end of the day, it's solving problems and finding finding big problems that a lot of people care about is the underlying piece because by design, um, those industries have gotten shaken up a lot, which means uh, new opportunities and, and problems to solve, which is what me, what pulled me in. I don't want to call this your, your well, it's one of your greatest hits. <laughs> Let's call it, it would be Tenant Loop, right? Um, yeah. you had, this was your, first of all, my question is, was this your first look at the rental space? And, and then was there... What was that pain point? What were you solving there? I'm always curious you know, about that, the, the, the evolution. Yeah, quick backstory on Tenant Loop. We were ultimately a platform that helped property managers better engage with and retain their mobile first renters. So the modern renter lives on their phone. And at the time, this Tenant Loop started as really me scratching my own itch. Mm-hmm. My wife and I had an apartment at the time. Uh, and ultimately, we had a really bad experience, and a lot of the problems stemmed from communicating with our property manager, messages falling through the cracks to the maintenance team if we had an issue, paying rent was very old school, all the things that kind of go into a great renter experience. If you think about being living in an apartment or, or a single family home, they were really bad there. And it made me look at the, the industry of, is there a better way to do this? Because we had a bad experience. We didn't renew the lease. We moved, even though we didn't really want to. 
And the tenant loop hypothesis was that happy renters, they were new leases and I would have been one of them um, from that, that business hat. So that was really my first jump into real estate. I always liked the concept of real estate. I just didn't know where I fit in. So I wanted to, to build a product that helped really renters have a better experience. And that's what we did. Right. Um, it was acquired, which congratulations. That's, that's always uh, ultimately, I think, a goal of most people that are, that are in that uh, entrepreneurial spirit. Um, but it also, I imagine takes you out of the game for a little while. You probably had to hang around a little bit. Did you always, always know there was going to be a part two or three or five or seven, whatever, wherever, wherever you're at? I think everyone knew there'd be a, a next, uh, next chapter myself, the acquiring company, my family, everyone knew, Uh, but that was my first W2 job. Uh, after the acquisition, we joined as part of that deal to ultimately, keep building what we were building. And what's unique about that is that Tenant Loop was pretty early stage. And honestly, our team, we knew there was a lot more work to do around the mission that we set out to do to really reimagine this, this resident experience. So we were excited to, to stay on. We kept building it. And what's cool is that it went from us having a few thousand renters on the platform to after the acquisition, 2 million. It was a huge jump. And for us, that type of um, alignment with the with Buildium, which is part of RealPage today, that was the acquire. They knew property management software very well, which is accounting, leasing, and a lot of the fundamentals of running a business. And they had some tools around uh, the tenant loop concept, but we ultimately became their mobile bet, and we got to keep building that product, which was a great experience. Yeah, that that mobile first is it's just amazing, right? The ability to first of all, have the the mindset. And I think the mindset comes from a little bit of how you live your life. You're not really lugging laptops around most times, only when you got to get the hard heavy lifting done. Uh, I, I think that's that was obviously a big, a powerful part of what you did. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And um, yeah, those fundamentals, the writing was on the wall that mobile was coming to real estate. And um, particularly for renters, a lot of renters were interacting with their property manager on an old school web portal at the time. And that's just not not how you think of uh, peace of mind. The whole goal of that company was enabling property managers to give their customers peace of mind while they're renting. That if something did pop up, because it will, that it's going to get resolved uh, with, with the least effort and least stress as possible. But we didn't believe they had the right tools to do that um, from a, a mobile first perspective. You've been a part of a lot of startups, right? Uh, through your career. Uh, yeah. Some some you probably were, you joined up with, others were yours. Are there some common mistakes that you see made? Especially, I mean, now I, I would consider you, um, you probably have mentor status for some people. There might be some people who find you and have questions. What, what do you tell them? Yeah, I can say I've learned the hard way on on many lessons here. And to your first point, very fortunate to be involved in a number of startups, some that I was playing the founder role, others that I was ultimately the the lead product designer for, for very early stage companies. So we had, I wasn't the founder, the founders had the domain expertise. They were the ones putting everything on the line to go solve the problem they, they loved. I ultimately was leading design to figure out what that application looked like, felt like, and how we applied their hypotheses to a product. And that's what I loved. But what's cool is both of those buckets get you exposed to so many different challenges that companies that are trying to do new things encounter. And that's also that's typically both an opportunity and a risk, right? And the two that come to mind for me, one, I'll call it founder tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two is the art of delegation, right? So founder tunnel vision this is why magic happens is when founders see something that no one else sees. 
right? They have a vision of how to solve a problem in a different and meaningful way, but that doesn't mean um, you should be closed off to feedback along the way. And that could be as simple as early uh, idea validation to make sure that your potential customer cares about that problem as much as you do of making sure that it's not an isolated or too specific of a, of, uh, a problem you're solving. But also once you launch that feedback loop of getting feedback from consumers, it may not always be the feedback you want to hear, but ultimately for, for great ideas to win, making sure you're open to getting that feedback and incorporating it. That doesn't mean you can't have the product company perspective of, hey, you won't know this or won't understand it till you see it, and we're going to build it so you understand it. You don't have to lose that um, that big bet, but I think getting the feedback and uh, the the feedback from consumers, customers, partners, it's really really important. And and yeah, and, and delegating is just at the end of the day, you can't do everything. Find people that are very good at what they do, and just build your team from there. And and I have learned that the hard way because I I love being a, I'm a doer. I like getting through the to do list, but a new a startup launching or a growth stage company that maybe has new initiatives, it's always relevant of making sure you've got the right people in the in the seat to, to do the job and prioritize just ruthlessly because it's the to-do list will never get shorter. So I think it's just really important and something we have not perfected, but we we practice at, at Gravy the best we can. I love your use of the word ruthlessly. It's a, it, same, same in art, the company I'm with now that we, you, there's, there's no... <laughs> There's no just cruising along. It's got to be everyone's in, working in the same direction, focus on the same thing. We're all moving there as fast as we can, right? Yeah, that's great. Uh, first of all, you know, we we know because of the band experience, that's your doer part. I, for my my bad. We didn't get the name of the band. You got to throw that out there. So you you definitely haven't heard of it. There's two okay. bands th- throughout that. One was called Lowercase. The other one was called The Vanity Affair, which was kind of a spin on the magazine title, hoping that people thought they had heard of us before. Really bad idea. It kind of worked, I guess, but those were 18-year-old kids for you making business decisions. I love it. <laughs> I'm glad I went back to that question. That's great. All right. So let's 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 get into what Gravy does. I mean, there look, there are a lot of companies in the in the 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 I don't want to call it rental space, but helping out helping helping people beat out cash offers, that sort of thing. I think Divi's out there, I think they're helping renters kind of become owners, but all these companies like Ribbon and Orchard and Fly Homes and Knock, you know, they're they're not what you do, but they're all doing the same thing. Did you find a lot of companies? I mean, there had to be some that were doing close to what you were doing. And then, you know, what was that vision? What was your, I don't want to call it your tunnel vision, but maybe it was that led you down the path with gravy. Yeah. So I think the, from a macro lens, the really awesome theme here, and you just touched on it is there's never been more new companies that are trying to reimagine parts of the home buying process. And whether that's the actual transaction or some companies that are looking at earlier in the transaction, it could be a cash offer product. It could be a uh, rent to own play. There's a lot of just different movement there. Uh, Gravy goes much earlier in the funnel to three, three months or further out from buying a home, providing tools. But what's cool here is that there are a handful of companies that have very similar mission statements of we want to make home ownership more accessible to everyone, period. And that North Star is the same for these companies, us included, but we're all getting there and touching it in a different way. And I think for the ecosystem, that has to happen. It's an exciting time because I do believe between this movement of, hey, how do we put the control back in the consumer Um give them uh, more control over the experience, more transparency and more options and level the playing field in different ways. That's really how we shift the the general 
consumption that buying your first home or home buying in general is out of reach for many folks. And it is. So I think uh, first and foremost, that's a really exciting time, I think, to be happening. Yeah. Once again, I'll come back to this. What was the pain point you were solving with gravy? So with gravy, something we observed during the time at Buildium, really once we got to not only experience it at the time, I was a renter. So I knew what things in life I was planning for. One of them was getting married. One of them was buying a home. Um, we got to see that really at scale with really understanding that there's a hundred million renters in the United States and almost all of them are somewhere in their journey to home ownership. And once that kind of clicked, there aren't many industries that have that much information and kind of that much alignment with life stages going from renter to home buyer, single to married, et cetera. It's really exciting. But what we found is that there are not really many tools unless you're mortgage ready today, meaning you've got the down payment saved, the credit scores in a great spot, your lease is ending and you're ready to go. If you don't meet that criteria, there are not many resources for you as an aspiring homeowner to make sure that you're staying on track. And even, even harder, if you're six months out versus two years out and just earlier, there's not too many places to go unless you go um, search Google. And there's a lot of great blog content out there. But as far as platforms, go of, hey, am I focusing on the right things? How do I become mortgage ready? That's the huge opportunity that we saw that we wanted Gravy to, to, to help with. There you go. So let's talk about how Gravy works, You know what it does, how it, how it helps. And is there, is there like, are you finding this average time frame that it, where it works best that's really helping out um, somebody on that journey to home ownership? Yeah, with first-time home buyers, particularly, I think understanding that, and something we observed even just outside of personal experience, is that everyone's path and timeline is going to be different. And that could be someone um, with financial limitations that it just takes longer to save up even the minimum down payment, or it could be someone that has the money saved, but they don't want to plant roots in a certain city because they want to they want to travel. So there's all these variables, but um, in general, someone that's three months out to eighteen months out, home ownership and of having a plan in mind, that's something that we see come up very often. And even a college graduate may not be thinking about it yet. They may say, oh yeah, let's. I do want to buy a house one day. I'm not quite ready, but I am saving a little bit of money. The closer you get to that three, six, nine, 12, even up to kind of the, the two-year mark, it gets really important to have a plan really to make sure that your your goal is going to be it really is going to um, come to fruition. Are you are you actually going to be ready at the end of this lease? So I think there is a sliding scale and everyone's challenges and questions are going to be different, but the fundamentals and those challenges of it's hard to save up the down payment, my credit score is not ready, and then understanding the process, it's complex for everyone to understand, let alone someone that's never done it. Those are going to be similar throughout. And that's those are some of those areas that we see as opportunities for us to add value early on. Okay. And so I, I, I go to Gravy's website. What am I going to do? Yeah. So generally how Gravy works. So if you're a renter who wants to buy a house in the future, so let's call you a, an aspiring first-time home buyer, you download the Gravy app. Ultimately, to do a few things. But fundamentally, it's, it's an app that's going to help you navigate the path to homeownership. So saving up your down payment, we have an FDIC-insured savings account that ultimately becomes your house fund. You uh, don't have to use it, but ultimately, it's a really good place to say, this is the most money I've ever had to save up in my life um, for the biggest purchase I'm going to make. This money probably shouldn't be in my daily checking account with a mental note that, yeah, that's going towards my house. If you put it into your gravy house fund and set up your house goal for when you want to buy 
the timeline, where you want to buy, we'll help you figure out your down payment um, target. It's really helpful to kind of have that spot to, to really have your plan. So that's a, a big piece of gravy. We also help you track your credit score. So we work with um, the FICO 4 mortgage credit score, which is ultimately it's an older school FICO score that mortgage lenders care about when they're qualifying folks. So we've got a lot of purpose-built credit tracking tools for homebuyer tools and guides in general of just that education piece of I'm at this stage, what now? Um, all those things that kind of come around saving up or preparing to become mortgage ready, that's a big part of what Gravy does. Once you are ready, we have lenders and um, agents that we partner with uh, that we that I'm sure we'll transition the conversation into once kind of you're ready to graduate, if you will. But a big part yeah. is that, hey, um, most of the hard work with buying your first house comes long before you're going to open houses. And that's really where Grady's product um, sits. Yeah. So you're, instead of me, like you said, going through blog post after blog post that lenders and realtors have put out there about being a first-time home buyer. You've taken all that and just condensed it down. Once again, mobile first. It's right here on my phone. Here's the steps I've got to take based on my timeline. That's awesome, right? Yeah, that's. We believe that underlying constant throughout that ultimately long journey. That's um, once you build that, a lot of opportunities to add value come up yeah. because what we find yeah. is that many people that want to buy a home. They know they're not quite ready yet. So they're not always reaching out to an agent or lender to say, hey, how close am I? When should I, what should I be focusing on? And Gravy's um, a, a much less stressful way to input some information. We'll help you the best we can. We have a home advisor, ultimately on staff, if you have questions, but don't want to talk to a lender or agent quite yet, we'll do our best to answer your questions. So really just trying to break down some of those first-time homebuyer myths throughout the process to, um, to help you along the way. Yeah. Let's talk about those agent lender connections. That's important. That's going to be most of the people listening to this podcast. How do you work with uh, agents and lenders? And I imagine you're all around the country, so you probably need coverage in lots of different places. How Gravy fits in the, into the traditional home buying ecosystem is really, I think it's an exciting conversation because we, we have some knowns today. We have some ideas of how else we can help, um, but we're also open to to other ideas. So I'll kind of give you an, uh, an idea of how it works today and then kind of some stuff that's coming. So today we have agent and mortgage lender partners across the country. So we are operating in all 50 states. The brokerage we work with and the mortgage lenders, it, it was a pretty small controlled group during our beta uh, we just launched out of beta, I guess, about two months ago now. So that was a closed group, but ultimately we had coverage nationwide. We're ultimately in the future going to be expanding that network. So any agent or lender that wants to become part of the Gravy ecosystem, there's a few different ways to get involved, but we're 100% having those conversations um, actively. So I think from that that perspective, there's a few different opportunities. And, and for us as a product, I think the bridge that we're building between are you a renter or are you a home buyer? That's kind of a, a new bridge that hasn't existed before. And what we want to do is by partnering with agents and lenders is give them the opportunity to connect with borrowers earlier in the process and being able to have a, a much warmer handoff than traditional, but also the more information that we have about that consumer's um, personal situation, the better advice the industry can give of what the options are. Should you buy at the end of this lease? Should you keep renting? helping you price match the loan. That information is really hard to get. And we want to use that to make sure the consumer gets a great deal and is confident about their home purchase, which we believe is a shared goal of every loan officer, every agent, and every company in the space. Yeah. And I'll tell you, the more that people find out about <clears throat> Gravy, I mean, you have 
1.5 million currently realtors and I don't know, some 600,000 lend, whatever the number is, and a whole bunch of title people because I came out of that world who uh, who could help refer people into Gravy, right? And say, hey, this is where you're at. Have you heard about this yet? I'm sure that's part of the strategy. Absolutely. We think for for Gravy to work as, as much um, or to add as much value as we, we hope, it we want it to be, when you think of buying your first home, that big life stage, Gravy is, is the name that we want to come to mind. It's just an easy first step or next step for, for anyone. Jeff, you're a planner. I get it. You're really good. And uh, I understand it. So there has got to be some next steps for Gravy. Can we talk about those? Sure. So next steps, and you think about the evolution of Gravy, they really tie into what we were just talking about with agents, lenders, how we fit into the ecosystem. And what we're really excited to be working on now is we're building a tool that's going to help both real estate agents agents, and mortgage lenders ultimately better identify and nurture their not quite ready prospects. Meaning if someone is three months, six months out from buying and they're not ready to make uh, put an application in today, or they're not quite ready to go to open houses, for a way to uh, for an agent or or lender to stay top of mind to say hey keep building your credit keep saving and come back when you're ready, um, we're building kind of a unique co-branded experience that is if an agent partners with us and sends someone the Gravy product when that consumer downloads Gravy ultimately they're going to see your logo in the app and ultimately your contact information as a way to really help keep that agent or lender top of mind but also if there's already that connection we don't want to break that connection. That means there was um, some sort of alignment, no matter how the connection started. We want Gravy to complement some of those, but um, we believe we can help, hopefully help enable that person to graduate to buying a home and making sure that they're able to come back to to whoever sent them our way. So um, early days, we're excited to see um, what happens if you introduce a tool like that. Yeah. And then as this thing grows, you know, they're going to tell their friends and they're going to tell their friends. I mean, it's, also, it's, it's got some wonderful opportunity, right? Great, great possibilities down the road. Yeah, we believe so. We, we think this type of tool is needed. So we're, we're all in yeah. to, to find a way to build it and just looking for folks to, to help along the way. Yeah, Jeff, I've had you here the half hour I asked of you. I'm going to ask you the same final question I've asked every guest uh, on, this, on this podcast. I think you're number 324. And, and you're not a realtor, and it doesn't matter if you're a realtor. Uh, I've had a lot of people on the show that were economists and doing other things. But um, if, if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started, what would it be? So this advice is going to be a little biased. But I think for a new agent starting out, just of how much we've learned about first-time home buyers, it's going to be invest in, in building out your network, talking to people that are renting, not quite ready to buy today, and just build a relationship because first time home buyers by definition, they have the most questions, the most uncertainty, and really the most amount of myths that you may have to help debunk out of any home buyer versus repeat buyer. And I think for a new agent, that's such a great way to kind of get a good pulse on the voice of the consumer of um, what what things should I be hitting in the future to help my, my clients um, have confidence during the process? And a new agent, um, s- some of the questions that a, a renter uh, has or an aspiring first-time home buyer, maybe that person doesn't have the answer yet. So don't be afraid to go hunt down the answer. Talk to your peers, more senior folks at the brokerage and finding the answer because I know some of that may be scary. But I believe that nothing but good comes from that. And obviously, there's a very good chance that when that renter is ready to buy, you're going to have a great relationship and they are going to come to you for, for the business. And um, 
touches on some of the same things that Gravy as a company wants to do, but there's 100 million renters uh, that are somewhere in that journey. So I just think it's a great use of time and investment. That's a fantastic answer and congratulations. It's the first time that answer has been used awesome. since 2015. So great job. <laughs> Jeff, if, if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yes, the best way is through gravy.co is the website or on LinkedIn. Um, I, I pop in there every so often. So I'm more than happy to uh, to chat, talk shop, et cetera. But really appreciate you having me on the show today. Jeff, you were great. Uh, once again, I'm I'm excited about this product. I you know best of luck to you and the team. I, I want to see this succeed, and I think it's helping. Um, you know, as somebody who was a first time homebuyer a long time ago, uh, it would have been awesome to have someone there that that uh, could, could smooth that path a little bit, make it easier to get to that first uh, first first home, and and best of luck as as you move forward. Thanks so much, Bill. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE Sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to the Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app.